Hello and welcome to the Disrupting Balance podcast with Hanifa Barnes. It's me, I'm your host, a multicultural mama, wife, and leader. And here is where we amplify the stories of multicultural women who are unraveling from tradition to make the switch in work, well-being, and winning. I made the switch. Former professional actor turned lawyer turned education executive, and I'm not done yet. Join in on the conversation and learn how you can unravel from your stuff to make the switch, disrupt balance, and win. Today on the podcast, we have Lisette Covarubias. She is a living and breathing testimony who is breaking down generational barriers. Lisette is the daughter of Mexican immigrant migrant workers, and she has a strong sense of faith, self, and legacy that she attributes to her grandmother. It is this force that propels Lisette to become the first in her family to graduate from high school, receive her bachelor's and master's degrees from UC Berkeley and UCLA respectively. And even with all of that, the one thing she couldn't do was give birth. She was doing everything the right way, but had no control over her desire to become a mother. Find out how Lisette held on to her faith, affirmed her marriage, and how she learned to free herself by telling her story. Today in the guest chair, we have Lisette, and she has an amazing story about her journey, her life journey, her family that I'm sure you will learn so much from and enjoy. Hello, Lisette, and welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, Hanifa. I'm very good. Thank you so much. And um, just you know, really want to thank you for providing the space um, to share my story. Thank Three you for honoring that. We'll take. Yeah, I am so glad, and I can't wait to talk more. I, we uh, we connected just on another level in our pre-discussion, so I want to make sure that listeners get to experience and enjoy kind of the things that I was able to in our first call. So let's jump right in and tell me, Lisette, what is your story? So uh, my story is actually very much intertwined with what I consider to be the core of who I am. I am the daughter of immigrants from Jalisco, Mexico. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, So I am a, a homegrown Angelina. I still live here. And I actually live a mile from the house I was raised in. So that's how far I've gone. Um, I was raised within a very strong, um, you know, within the, uh, with a strong Catholic faith and in a very traditional Mexican household. And I was the first in my family, in my immediate family to graduate high school, um, to obtain a bachelor's degree and to obtain a master's degree. I, I sort of lay it out like, like this because it, you know, I, I think those are for sure the major highlights of, of who I am and what my story is, right? This, this daughter of immigrants, um, born in this country and sort of reached these, um, pinnacles within education and being the daughter of immigrants, and being raised within a, a, a strong Catholic sense, 
Mm -hmm. Um, It has really cemented who I am in this world. Being my father's daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Strong sense of work ethic, strong sense of identity, um, a strong cultural tie to the land, right? And I think for my Catholic faith, you know, I... I had shared with you that in that essence, you know, it was my grandmother really. Um, her name is Socorro Casillas. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that her name is, is, is said out loud because, you know, she really taught me um, how to navigate life with a strong sense of just spiritual connection to our creator. I'm, I'm really... Um, thinking about sort of my story and like where I started and where I am now. And and it's truly amazing. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the Catholic faith um, and juxtapose that with being from a traditional Mexican family. I'm sure there were social structures growing up based on those two components being a traditional in a traditional Mexican family and from the Catholic faith. And one of those structures you mentioned in our call was being raised to be afraid of God. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that experience for you and how has it helped to transform you, but how have you also been able to shift your thoughts around that fear to, to help you? That is, that is such a, a, that is such a great question. So I, you know, growing up, my parents, did a wonderful job of ensuring that we had this cultural tie with our heritage and our ancestors and where we come from. And the faith, the Catholic faith was just one of those ties as well, right? You know, most of our traditions or a lot of our traditions within, you know, um, our Mexican culture are very much tied um, to our religious culture as well. And I think mm-hmm. growing up, there was a lot of structure, Hanifa. You're absolutely right. There was a lot of structure to what was considered to be, you know, a good daughter or a good student. Um, you know, very early on, I think that along with a lot of the challenges that were brought by my parents, you know, in terms of, of how they were raised, you know, there was this great sense of fear that was installed, at least in me, when we would think about God and consequences, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, we all know that, you know, there's the, the fear of God, I'm going to instill the fear of God in you. Um, and so for many, many years... <laughs> I think for for me, it was a way by which, especially my my mother, who who was more in charge of the child rearing, you know, um, there was a lot of religion that was utilized to either control, for lack of a better word, you know, con- make sure that the children are in control, make yeah. sure that yeah. you know the children are reared in make sure that you're raising your children right. And as I grew up and I, as I was exposed to 
the spirituality, you know, my, my grandmother, God bless her, you know, she carried this sense of strength and faith in a way that I could not see how God could equal fear. Mm-hmm. God equals power and love. And what I mean by power, it's that empowerment within you when you realize that there's a creator that absolutely loves you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And my grandma did a wonderful, just a wonderful job of portraying that for me um, at a very early age. And I think while there was a lot of structure and there is a lot of respect that is instilled, right? There's also a lot of value that comes from the work ethic that you see from your parents, right? And those of us that are daughters and sons of immigrants, we see like double the work, double the effort. Um, Just everything is, is given in abundance. Right. And so, um, I really think it was, it was that, that sort of shifted within me, how I saw myself in my relationship with God Mm -hmm. and how that in essence really changed the trajectory of where my life was going to go. Um, I, I think, Hanifa, as, as we grow, we start sort of shedding some of these, mm-hmm. you know, some of these barriers. You know, my father has a third grade education. However, like the work ethic that he's giving, like, you know, why he came to this country, all of that pushes us. It pro- propels us to like move forward and to keep going. And and I think that's that's the shift. That's where I saw the shift. And, and quite honestly, I was I was probably in my, in my preteens, you know, because my childhood was very, um, there were rules. <laughs> yeah, strict. Yeah. It's strict. Thank you. Thank you. It was uh-huh. very strict. And then as I, you know, as, as I started to understand and develop a stronger relationship with my grandmother and my father, my, I started to shed a lot of these things that I was like, Ooh, wait, I don't, I, I don't need that. Really everything at the core is, my faith and, and, and really where I come from. Yeah, I can absolutely connect to that because I remember growing up in my house, which is a tr- an African household, but growing up in the States and my parents were very strict and there were these rules and faith was a huge component. But, you know, when you're going through those adolescent years, it's all so convoluted because you really just want to do what all the other kids are doing mm-hmm. and you want to assimilate you know, yeah. And then as you get older and you start to connect to the true value of those lessons and that experience, you do shed those barriers. Yes. Right? What for you was one of the biggest challenges in shedding barriers? Was it was a challenge for you in shedding, like actually recognizing that you were your own person or was a challenge in recognizing that you're just like the people you grew up around? Like what was the challenge for you in shedding the barrier? um, I think the challenge for me really was the fact that I was born female, (laughs) you know, growing up Mexicana, uh, 
growing up really as the as the oldest daughter of, of four children, um, I have a sister who's a year younger than I am, and I think she and I, for the most part, um, broke down some of these barriers together. And I do have to say that having a partner is a lot easier to, you know, when we're navigating life. So I do have to recognize that. And the reason why I also bring her up is because I think for she and I, um, the difficulty really, Hanifa, was, was recognizing and really understanding that as a, as a, as a Mexican-American woman, we really had to prove that we were worth the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is I, you know, I, I, when I graduated high school, I was accepted to a, to the university of California, Berkeley up North. And when I received my acceptance letter, I knew this is the school I want to go to. And for anyone that's familiar with the state of California, um, obviously UC Berkeley is in Berkeley, which is up North. I live in LA. It's about six hours. It's about a six hour drive. And I remember my dad was absolutely devastated. Um, he could not understand. He was mind blown by the idea that a daughter of his could possibly want to leave home at 17 mm. and not be married. At 17, it was really clear to me that I had to prove to my parents that I was worth the opportunity to go to school. Not because they didn't love me, but because they had never experienced such a thing. Exactly. And I don't think they ever thought thought exactly that a daughter of theirs would even have the opportunity to say I got into a four-year I'm going um after much 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 you know pleading and begging right so there was a lot of that um there was a conference right and now I'm gonna date myself this is in the mid-90s there's a conference given in 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 uh, southern California and the conference is, um, it's actually more like a workshop for parents of um, immigrant parents of first generation children that are going to a four year university. Mm-hmm. And the whole purpose of this was pretty much to familiarize and educate the parents on what this meant. And so we're sitting there, Hanifa, my father and I, and there's this woman up there who is, so eloquent in her speech and she's literally saying my story literally mm-hmm. like we had the exact same story and i turn around to kind of like look dad see and he's bawling hanifa he's like <gasps> absolutely in awe wow and he's like you have to go you wow. have to go and I think, I mean, obviously, in hindsight, you ask my dad now, you know, <laughs> 25 years later, and, and, you know, he's like, every woman should go to school. And I think in many ways, I had to prove that I was worth, that I was wor- worth the investment. That's powerful. 
you know, so I'm glad you kind of laid this foundation with family and faith because someone listening can now understand kind of the next part of our discussion, and that's around motherhood and that journey Mm. and the challenges you faced. And in spite of those challenges, you still maintained faith, you know, at least to some degree. Yeah. And so let's talk about your journey to motherhood and what that experience was for you. So I, so, you know, fast forward a few years <laughs> and, um, I'm in, you know, I naive at, I mean, I don't know if it's naiveness, but you know, it's, you sort of get married, um, you know, you start a career and then this is in general, right. For most of us, it's like, you know, we get married, we're in our careers by a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, my husband and I got, got married. We were very young. We were very young. Um, I, you know, we got married literally uh, months after I had graduated from, from Berkeley and, um, we get pregnant right away and I have a miscarriage. I have a miscarriage within the first eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So at that point, uh, you know, we're very young and it was extremely scary but at the same time, I really did think it wasn't my time. And I think for the most part, it was um, it was the fact that I was very young, right? And so I just thought, you know, this is not when I'm supposed to have children. And so yeah. my husband and I kind of put that to the side. We don't talk about it, by the way. Um. And the reason why, now that I think about it, now that I look back in terms of motherhood and what that meant for us, or, you know, being parents, um, I don't think we talked about it, Hanifa, because at that early on, that we, I was literally maybe 22 years old. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I don't want to open up a, a wound, right? I, I don't yes. want to make my husband feel uncomfortable. Yes. I'm yes, not going to yes. talk about it. Yes. Um, seven years later, you know, we're both starting our careers and we're kind, we're already comfortable in what we were doing. My husband is finishing up his master's and I'm already, um, at the city in my career and we decide to give, um, to give it another chance, right? We, we okay. Now we're ready. Now we are really ready because now we're adults, right? Now we, Correct. we have the home, and so now, now is the time. And I get pregnant, and I have a miscarriage. Again, you know, about I was about two months. Um, and at that point, I. I hunker down on my faith. You know, I, I, A, I think about my grandmother a lot, right? And the fact that she had 13 children. And I think about, it's not my time. I have to accept what is before me, right? Did you guys talk about it this time? No, we did not. Mm. We did not. So we, were you just holding all of that or did you have yeah. a, so a I, place to go to talk about it? So no, actually I didn't talk about it. So, and I think there's also, 
there's a component to, of shame to the fact that mm. Hanifa, I, you know, I push myself to, you got to get the bachelor's, you got to get the master's, you got to get yeah. the here. I could yeah. not control this. Yeah. I, I could not control this. I, and so I, I learned for myself that I had to give up control. And this is something that I processed myself. My husband and I still didn't talk about it. I have to say, um, I got pregnant again within the year and had a third miscarriage. So mm. I had two in less than a year. Mm. And at that point, yeah, you know, I, at that point I, I did, I, I did lose it. I did. Yeah. And, and even with my faith, like you said, like it's, 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 a, it's, you know, it, it's sort of this, delicate back and forth. I can't really explain it, but you know, there were moments, Hanifa, where I'm grieving. I, I'm, I am grieving a loss, not only the loss of a, of a life, but also the loss of control, right? Yes. I'm grieving yes. sort of like, I can't control my body. No matter what I do, I, I cannot for the life of me. And so it's very humbling it's very humbling to come face to face with your human limitations. Mm-hmm. And I didn't reach over to my husband because I was also, A, I was scared to know or to kind of get his reaction. And B, I also thought like, what is he grieving? He physically, yeah. I'm the one through the loss. And so I minimized his grief so that I could take care of mine. Wow. And it took a toll on my marriage. If I can help you all kind of visualize, you know, like I get pregnant, I have a miscarriage. Within three months, I get pregnant again and then have a miscarriage. And then there's this point of like maybe three or four months where I'm kind of like, going through this process, right? Going through this back and forth with God and faith and sort of yeah. like what is going on. And, and, yeah. and during this whole time, I'm not talking about it with anyone, including my sisters, including my parents, um, because I'm also very ashamed. I'm ashamed that I can't, um, you know, that I can't give him a child, right? So I'm, I mean, listen to me now. Um, I'm ashamed that, you know, I'm embarrassed. What, what is his family going to say that mm-hmm. you know, he said can't bear children? Mm-hmm. You know, he married a broken woman. Mm-hmm. So these are all the things that I'm telling myself, right? Um, and so it really is at sort of my darkest moment in that grief that I just, I give it up. Mm. I give it up. I go back to the basics of what my grandmother taught me. And, you know, it's like at some point we let go. You just let go. Yeah. And, and I did. And a few months later I was pregnant again. And I think, you know, for that time around, it was so, what was interesting is that we were very nonchalant about it because we didn't want to get attached, right? We didn't want to get excited. 
Um, And as the belly grew, you know, I was like, oh, this is really happening. You know, I mean, my husband didn't tell his coworkers until I was seven months pregnant. Wow. I mean, that's how scared we were, right? Yeah, and so yeah. I think there's a lot of blessings that come with hardship. There's a lot of clarity that comes when we are really tasked to come face to face with what we can and cannot do. Yes. Um, and I, I I learned that, you know, I, I learned that really well. Um, and fast forward now, I'm a mother of, of three beautiful, healthy, courageous mm. girls. Amen. 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 You know what I, I like about your story is... You know, you said you had to really come face to face with the fact that you are limited in your human capacity, mm-hmm. right? And you had to surrender this need to be in control because you're Lisette, you were the first in your family to graduate high school, your immediate family, the first to go to college, the first to get the master's. You also got married. I mean, you were doing everything you were supposed to do. Right. 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 And then you realize, wait a minute. My superpowers don't work when I want to have kids too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like you had to like be stopped in your tracks to, I guess, be pulled back to into whatever was of substance, whatever God needed you to know in that moment. Yep. And I wonder now that you're kind of on the other side of all this, are there things you notice or can recollect during that time that you would have done differently when it came to having a conversation about your pain or Mm. talking to your husband? Is there anything you felt you would have done just a little differently? For sure. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think sharing my story. I think, you know, shame, Hanifa loves secrecy. Oh, yeah. Shame loves the darkness. You know, it's when we shed light that shame goes away, mm-hmm. right? And so I think for me, I I would have shared my story. You know, not too long ago, actually right before, um, over the summer, and one of my very dear, dear aunts, one of my, my mother's sisters, she had a... Um, she had, I want to say, uh, three friends over because, you know, we were socially distancing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was there were about five women in total, including myself. And, you know, we were all enjoying a, a nice glass of wine because it was her birthday. We start talking about uh, my youngest daughter, my, my little one, because she's she's uh, she's one. She'll be two in a couple of months. And you know, they just start talking to me about her. And then one of the women, so I, and, and I'll, I'll give you the range. So the range of the, the ages were like, you know, 43 to like 83. Okay. Oh, wow. oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And the 83 year old starts asking me about motherhood and she just 
happens to say I had three miscarriages. Oh my goodness. And I was like, what? So I'm sitting there and the, her daughter jumps in and cause she had a miscarriage. Hmm. And then my aunt joins the conversation cause she had a miscarriage. So out of the five women that are that were there, Hanifa, four of us had a miscarriage. Wow. And I remember feeling so empowered about my experience and how maybe by not sharing my story, other women didn't share their story either. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. it took this 83-year-old woman. To say something for me to jump on that. And then I I kind of went back to like, man, had I shared my story earlier, other women would have probably felt empowered to do so as well. Um, so that's one thing that I would have definitely that would I would if I could go back, I would change. The other thing that I would also do is I would talk to my husband. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have address the elephant in the room yeah. because there was all kinds of things that I was telling myself. Um, none of which were true and most of which impacted my marriage. And so, you know, I for sure would have given my husband the benefit of the doubt, right? Because this is me assuming that he's not going to step up to the conversation. Yep. Right. Whereas he was ready for it. And it's, you know, what, what's so amazing, Hanifa, is that now we, we do, we, we talk about it and we, you and I have a friend in common, um, uh, Jeez, who, you know, and she, she has this wonderful blog and, and, um, she did me the honors of, of sharing my story, my motherhood story. I was very open in that story and I actually shared it with my 11 and 12 year old daughters. Oh, really? I did. I did. Um, so they're reading the story and my 12 year old, you know, comes over and she's obviously she's impacted by it. And, and she comes over and she, she walks towards my husband, not even me. And she's like, dad, would you have left mom if she couldn't give you children? Oh, oh my goodness. And my husband was like, absolutely not. I've been telling myself a whole nother story. You know, I've been telling myself, oh my gosh, my husband would have left me. My husband was so ashamed. My husband was, you know, and here he is telling my 12-year-old, soon to be 13-year-old, there's no way I would have ever left her. Again, you know, and thinking back, those are the two things that I would have definitely, definitely changed. In that one moment, it probably healed a lot of things for you. Yes based around that, just in that moment. Absolutely. I think I remember getting up and just kissing my husband and he was kind of like, what are you, what, what is this? And I said, yeah, you have no idea the stories that I've been, you know, it, obviously I didn't, I, I didn't go that deep into it, but you know, I learned speak your truth, share your stories, because if not, we're telling ourselves our own story. We're telling ourselves stories that haven't even happened. You know what I mean? Like, yes. yes. The second thing is there's power in being honest and there is power in being honest with the people you love. And what I saw in that moment was a really mature 12 year old 
brave enough to ask the difficult question of like, would you have left my mother? You know, like in, in this moment and my husband saying, absolutely. Like giving her this response of like, your mother is not like the value of your, of your mother is not in whether or not she can have children. We should all be aware of that. You know, we should should all know that we should all really know that as, as, as women, as, as, you know, and, and men as well. So, um, that was a really powerful moment for me. Yeah, that is, I mean, I mean, fear does do just a lot of damage, but, um, I think there is an awareness, right. That we're creating these stories, but in practice, when you're in the moment and in the experience, you just can't help where those stories take you. Right. 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 And you kind of create this whole novel around your pain. Exactly. Yes. That. Yes. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing like the finger snapping right now. Hanifa. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And it, it's a blessing that you've had the opportunity and continue to have the opportunity to get on the other side of it and unravel it all. It, it, you know? Right. That, and that's, that is, you're right. That is an, that is a blessing and that is a privilege. Yeah, definitely. Right? That, that is a privilege for me that you're right, that I am able to be on the other side and sort of look back and reflect. Yeah. Whereas for many people, it could still be a challenge. Correct. And, and I have to be, I have to acknowledge that as well. And, and thank yeah. you for, Thank you. Thank you for for raising that. I I do want to talk a little about your profession because I find that interesting as well. I just wanted to make sure that people could really grasp and understand the value in your story. Right. And it's it's rooted in the things that are of value to you, specifically faith and family. Family doesn't have to look like, you know, what we expect, right? You talk about how your father was in shock because you're leaving his house at 17 and not married. Right. Your father, (laughs) that was what family was supposed to look like. Like your daughter, right? Right. Yes. And now you've redefined that narrative for your, right? Yes. So, yeah, but I mean, still there's power in faith and family, how you define it for yourself, but- I do want to talk a little bit about your professional experience because like you mentioned earlier, you're a graduate of UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. You have a master's degree from UCLA, my husband's alma mater. Yay, go Bruins. Woo, go Bruins. <laughs> so um, let's talk about what you do professionally. So professionally I am so technically I'm a I'm a I'm a city planner. That that is my um, educational skill set background, right? Um, that's what I went to, to school for. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do with the city is I actually, I, I am currently a, a program deputy um, and we work in economic development for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really being sort of high level here. Hanifa just yeah. can, can really understand. So the position that I I'm in is I work on social responsibility initiatives that assist um, public agency in creating opportunity for small businesses and connecting local residents to jobs. This job in particular, it has provided me with a sense of appreciation 
for what public service is. I don't take anything for granted. What I'm very blessed in, I guess, is that my profession allows me to do good work. I am very blessed in that. I mean, I, 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 I think overall just public service is, you know, utilizing your talents to serve the greater good. And again, I tie that back to my grandmother because she, you know, her thing was always about service. You know, you, you're here, you are here to help others. You know, we are all here to, to be there for one another. And I think this is sort of like a very indirect tie to that as to why I was even, um, you know, why even I, I aspire to be in, in, in public service. Um, so in my profession, you know, I work on policies and programs that mm-hmm. really open up opportunities for local residents and small businesses. And I have to say that I'm also really proud of the fact that, you know, for most of my profession, it's really been women of color that have given me these great opportunities. Mm. There's a saying out there, empowered women, empower women. Um, yep. And that's, that's for sure. I mean, 100%. Um, and I don't know, you know, the sky's the limit, Hanifa. You know, I, I yeah. always, you know, for me, it's just, uh, it's always about, at least now, is taking in my blessings, really acknowledging where I'm at, yeah. but always looking forward. Let people know where they can, number one, read more about your story and your journey to motherhood. And number two, where can people go to learn more about the work you do? Is there a site for your company or the business? Absolutely. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so at, in terms of my story um, on motherhood, I'm going to refer everyone to um, Giselle Renteria's blog and it's the workingmamacitas.com. And, um, you know, there's a blog on there that, that has featured mamacitas and you just click on my name, Lisette Covarrubias, my picture's there. Um, and you can definitely read more about, um, you know, more about that story. Uh, I also work, uh, I work for the department, Los Angeles World Airports. Um, so it's LAWA. It's owned by the city of Los Angeles, and you can learn more about my work at lawa.org. And I'll be sure to share that link with you as well, Hanifa. Thank you so much for highlighting that as well. Yeah, definitely. And so for those of you listening, it will be in the show notes. So don't worry if you're trying to, you're driving, you can't write it down or doing something where your hands are tied. We're going to include it in the show notes so you can make sure you capture that. So Thank you, Lisette, so much for your story and your journey and being willing to share and be open. I I greatly, greatly appreciate it. I am Lisette Covarrubias, and I am disrupting balance by breaking down generational barriers. Thank you for listening to the Disrupting Balance podcast with Hanifa Barnes. Hey, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're not following me yet, find me at Disrupting Balance on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And guess what? I'm on Clubhouse at Hanifa Barnes ESQ. And if you want free tools or any and all things Disrupting Balance, check out the website, www.disruptingbalance.com. Talk soon.